Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to hear from participants in the Leicester Mission Week, which was held in July 2015. They've been out in different communities throughout Leicester, searching for houses of peace. We'll hear from Fred Campbell as he unpacks what we're trying to achieve in a House of Peace search. Finally, we'll hear from two participants about how they've applied the lessons they learned in Leicester, up north in Manchester, and down south in Essex. Finally, this guy came to the door. He was Muslim. He had the whole beard and stuff. And we kind of asked the same kind of intro question. We're praying for people. Is there anything that we can pray for? And he said something like, well, I'm, I'm Muslim as well. I, I already pray, so, so I'm, I'm good kind of thing. And then we kind of asked him the miracle question. So if, if God could do any miracle in your life right now, what would it be in? That was like the opening point because he asked us back a question. Do you really think God can do do miracles now and stuff? And we were like, yeah, we, we believe our God can do miracles. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's why we're, we're here. Um, asking if we believe God cares about people and that he's involved in our lives today. And yeah, he wants to act. And so we got into a whole conversation about our view of God and his view of God. And that was good because Muslims and, and Christians think different things about God. Um, we, we ended up talking to him about maybe 20, 25 minutes, but it, it, it got up to a point where we then started to talk about, well, how can we be righteous with God? Because for him, he thought that good works would be what would do it. But at the same time, he got himself in a bit of a model because he said that God is holy and that even if you sin against, against God once, then you've broken all the laws. So we then got to say to him, so how are you going to be made made righteous then? Like, if you've sinned once, do you think like your good deeds will outweigh your, your bad deeds? And even if they do, you already said that God is so holy that your good deeds can never outweigh your bad deeds. Um, and we got to share with him how Jesus does that for us and, and, and then how we're so grateful for Jesus Christ because our deeds is not what God judges us by. He judges us by what He sees us through Christ and what Christ has already done for us. And and, and so it got to a point in the end where we were like, well, um, he said he was interested in talking more. He said, you know what, I, I, could, I, I don't think I'm perfect. I could be wrong. So if you come back another time, we can, we can talk more. So that was great. There was an open openness there. It's just something he said right at the end, which was really encouraging for us, which might be encouraging for you. He said, you know what? We may think different things right now, but but he said, you know, if you're if you're doing this for like reward or for money, money's sake, then that's that's not a good thing. But I think if you if you guys are doing this because you just really have a passion to share with people about God, then he said this is the highest thing you could possibly be doing with your 
your time or with your life. He said, because this is, this is the role of prophets, like to be going about telling people come to God or repent from your sins. He said, this is like the role of, of prophets. And if you guys are doing this, then this is the highest thing you could possibly be doing with your time. So that was encouraging for us and I hope that encourages you as well. Praise God. Praise God. I was not able to understand English, but I know a little bit of Hindi. So I said, okay, I speak in Hindi, and I told him you can interpret in Gujarati. And we started talking to him, and um, then he was talking to us about his God and all that. And then he came to, like, idols. He said, we worship idols and all that. I said, good, you worship idols. And I said, okay, let me ask you something. I said, um, if I come in your house and your picture is on the wall and you sit on the sofa and I come in and I start talking to your picture, what would you think about me? I said, uh, I think you're gone. I said, why will you think that? He said, because I'm sitting here alive and you're talking to that picture of mine. So that went into his head. He said, okay. I got what you're trying to say. Hmm. I said, exactly. Then I opened Psalm 115 and we read that to him. And then suddenly daughter called and she said, come and pick me up. She's working somewhere. So I said, if you want, you can go, we can wait for you. He said, no, 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 no finish all this. I'll go later. <laughs> so we continued sharing the word with him and his wife was there. A little daughter was there. And they opened their heart to the Lord and accepted the Lord. Amazing. <laughs> Oh yes, she said, uh, are you Christian? And we said, yes, we are. 
She says, well, I'm Muslim. Uh, we're, we're both the same, really. Yes, you can pray. And I said, well, no, we're not the same. Uh, we do believe in Jesus, and I would love to pray for you. <laughs> and uh, so she prayed, and I prayed for her, and she asked uh, for her. She's from Iraq, and so I prayed for, uh, she asked for peace for her family in Iraq. So I prayed for her, and as I prayed, you could see the Spirit on her as I prayed, and she kind of, you know, had a few kind of tears sort of thing. Um, and then afterwards I said, could we come back and read, read uh, the Bible and the stories about Jesus with you? Um, and she said, yes. And I said, would your husband be open to that? Uh, and she said, yes, well, I'll be my husband and we'll come. And, and, and she, she, we exchanged numbers and everything was great. A young girl answered the door. She must have been in her maybe early 30s. She looked like she, we'd just woken her up, full of tattoos, and I'm thinking, oh no, we've just we've just woken this this young lady up, and uh, we said, you know, we're in the neighbourhood offering to pray for people. Is there anything we can pray for you? And she thought about it for a few moments and then said, oh, my, yeah, I've just got a new puppy, and he's absolutely nuts, and he won't stop whining at night, and he won't go to sleep. So you could pray for my dog, please. So I said, okay, we can pray for your dog. I've just had experience of that yesterday. What's your dog's name? And she said, oh, my dog's called Satan. And I'm just like, no way. Is this a wind-up? <laughs> so anyway, we prayed for, for the dog to, you know, to basically be, be calmed down and not keep this young lady awake. And then she was saying, we, 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 sh we basically said, oh, you've got a new job then and got into conversation and, and we were able to pray for her about the fact, you know, her new job and for strength to, to be able to get used to the new shift patterns and then we said about, you know, probably coming back at some point. Now we'll hear from Fred Campbell about what we're trying to achieve in a House of Peace search. Entry and we're filtering with the gospel, ultimately. Now, here we're slowing it down a little bit because socially, people aren't used to engaging, so we're just slowing it down a little bit up front and helping with more engagement, and then we're sharing the gospel, and then we're looking for those people that either aren't ready to do that yet, and we're going to come back, or, or they're ready to do that. And then for those two types of responses, we're coming back to their homes, okay? And we're using this pattern that you're going to experience again downstairs here again this morning that we've been replicating all week this week every time we get together, which is a pattern of discipleship, okay? Now, here's what happens. We don't try when we get in there and say, okay, they're ready. They're ready to come with us and go someplace else. That's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is make disciples, we're trying to go to their home and make disciples and be patient and let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God do the transformation. This takes a time for that to take place. Okay? Now, the reason we don't want to extract them is because we want them to reach all their family and friends. They have family and friends. Okay? In Belgrade, we, we go there and we're in a home the very first hour that we're down there. Fifth house, okay, we're in a home. And here's what they said. 
We said, uh, do you know your neighbors? And, oh, yeah. We know everybody on this block, on this side of the street. We know everybody. <laughs> what I'm trying to show you is, they're the plan. We're not the plan. We're, part of, we're the bride of Christ who's going to go and obey Jesus' commands to go make disciples. But we're going to keep going back to them and disciple them and let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God change their life. We can't change anybody's life. The Holy Spirit, that's what He's in the business to do, is making them more like a son. And we're going to teach them to obey Jesus' commands. We're going to help them. We're going to love them. And then as they begin to reach those other people, we'll see them gather together in different places. Different They might gather them there, plus they might gather them down the block as well. And so I just want you to see past this initial engagement, where this is going is the Great Commission. We're going to baptize them. We're going to teach them to obey everything that he's commanded. And we're going to remember that promise. The marvelous promise from the one that has all the authority in heaven and earth. And do you remember the promise? He said, and I, what? I'll be with you always. The one that has all the authority. I want him on my side. So I just want you to see I want to shine some headlights a little farther down the road and see, this isn't just, we're going to just forever be knocking on doors. We're looking for that house of peace. And then we're going to share the gospel. Okay? And when we find that house of peace, who, Troy, he'll, he'll share this again. They respond to the message, right? They respond to the messenger, and they respond to tell them, mission. the mission. They're new ambassadors of Jesus. And they've been given what to say and what to do. And when you begin to disciple them and they begin to reach their family and friends, it's on. Okay? And that becomes an outpost for His glory to be magnified in the community. It's not about that building over here. It's about Christ in you Christ in them, the hope of glory, ringing out from their home and on their street. Okay? So I just want you to see that just a little bit further to give you hope. Some of the participants in the Leicester Mission Week came from other cities. A week after the mission had finished, I talked to Nick Duffy about how He's applying what he learnt in his home city of Manchester. For example, this week uh, we had a small group at my house and uh, told them that we'd be doing something different and told them that uh, Becky, my wife, and I would be heading out into our neighbourhood to knock on doors and find homes of peace and that they could be a part of that by praying for us and uh, and looking at the word and seeing what it says around who we are as ambassadors, as God's children, and, and what that means in terms of our responsibility. So we have a message, we have a, you know, a ministry. And uh, so we did that. We gathered people at our home. 
We shared some vision around what we'd seen in Leicester. We prayed. So me and Becky headed out and uh, started to knock on knock on the doors down one side of the street. And uh, yeah, it was. It soon became apparent that there was real openness in that street. And how did that become apparent? So the first door that we knocked on, a lady opened the door and maybe it's a Manchester thing, but she came right out onto the street because the, the doors faced right onto the street in, in our neighbourhood. And she immediately took our hands and shook our hands after we'd introduced ourselves. And we, we said that we were from this neighbourhood and that we were looking to pray for some of our neighbours and is there anything that we can pray for her and she said that she wasn't that that wasn't her house it was a sister's house uh, and we said that's okay we can still pray for you and pray for for this home and she she was really touched and then she said well actually my dad lives at number 52 and he's having a big operation soon could you pray for him mm-hmm. so we we prayed for her and for him and uh yeah, that was that was that was, I think that was really exciting that the pretty much the first door was was an open one like that and was pointing us to potentially another door on the other side of the street that we could uh, follow up on. And then I think we got three in a row then that were that were open for prayer. And as we were heading out, we were both nervous and a bit scared. Uh, but felt a peace as well. Becky particularly said, this is terrifying for me, but I feel a peace. I know that God's with us. And uh, she was, she got really bold, Becky. And uh, because she'd seen, I guess, the openness, she started to, I said, okay, you take the next one. She was like, okay, which I didn't think she would. So it was, it was great to see God at work through, through my wife as well and it was great to do it together with her uh, we got to we ended up seeing of around 40 houses about 17 opened the door and we had around I think it was 12 uh, open for prayer uh, so it was it was an incredible night and then so we got to, the people who opened the door 17 opened the door yeah 12 said yeah pray for us yeah, yeah. Wow, and typically what sort of people lived in this street? So the majority, I would guess, would be uh, Muslim. Uh, There's quite a few Indians in the street. There was a Nepalese family that wanted us to pray for Nepal. Uh, we, we prayed for numerous Muslim families, uh, prayed for... Uh, an Indian boy who just, I don't know if he was just finishing his GCSEs or just starting his GCSEs. And we, we at first, we, we said that, we, you know, is your mum or dad in? And we'll, we'll, we'll ask them. But he was inquisitive as we were walking off and said, well, what are you doing? And we told him that we were praying. And he said, oh, please pray for me. There was a, a particularly poignant one, beautiful one, where we... Uh, again about five doors down from the first house we knocked on and it was an Indian family and uh, the the mum opened the door with her daughter, young daughter stood next to her and we said you know 
we're from the neighborhood, we're praying for our neighbors. Can we pray for you or your family? And she said, you could pray for my daughter, that uh, just pray God's blessing over her. So we did. And then we were about to leave and she said, no, don't go. Uh, my mum is in the lounge and she's experiencing pain in her arm. Please stay and pray for her. So she went into the lounge and she she brought her frail mum to the door and then get, held out her mum's arm. And uh, and it was it was incredibly like humbling and what an amazing thing to be used by God in that way where we took this elderly lady's arm and uh, Becky, my wife, put a hand on it and I held this lady's hand and we, we just prayed for healing in Jesus' name. And uh, that was... The language barrier was difficult, so we're not quite sure like what's happened, but it's definitely one that we can follow up on in a, in a week's time. So, Nick, where's this going for you and for your heart for the city of Manchester? I hope it goes everywhere. I hope... Uh, I, I really hope that we can see loads and loads of, of, of followers of Jesus just getting out into the harvest, getting out into the city and uh, not being reactive but being proactive in, in sharing who Jesus is and, and, and what he's doing and, and just pointing people back to him. I've, we've got a, a plaque on the end of our street actually that we moved into and it's we live on the the uh, the place where Man, Man City used to play, so the centre circle is right on on the end of our street, and uh, and it says on this centre circle uh, from Main Road to the world, uh, from Moss Side, sorry, to the world. It says, and I just I really believe that because in Manchester the they worked out recently that there were over 220 languages spoken in the city. It's like got one of the most most uh, languages spoken in any city in Western Europe. They said. So I just believe that uh, what God can do here in this city can be taken to the nations too. Finally, I talked to Russell Godwood about how he's applying what he learnt down in Essex. Said hello and just chatting to the manageress and we just said, you know, we were just going to pray for people we meet today. Can we pray for you? And she said, yeah, please, that would be great. Um, she said, I'm, I'm not really a believer, I don't think, but, yeah, you can pray. So we said, yeah, anything in particular. She shared a few things, and we said we'd pray for her shop, that she'd be successful there. Um, so that was good. So just, just in the shop, we prayed for her and then just asked you know, do you feel near or far? And that was good. But there were, it was quiet. So there were people listening in. You could sort of sense pretty much everyone in the mm. shop was listening. And so we didn't, we felt we didn't want to embarrass her. Or And she had customers as well. So we just left it at that and said goodbye and moved on. And uh, walked through the town a bit more. We bumped into a few more people that we knew and prayed for them. And that was great. So one of the things we're discovering is in South Essex, most 
people we offer prayer to say yes. I would say eight, nine out of ten people I have offered prayer to in the last six weeks have all said yes. Mm -hmm. So we're now talking about probably a hundred people, predominantly yeah. white British. Um, so we we wander back through town, like I say, say hello to a few more people, offer to pray. Everybody's like, yeah, that would be great. So we pray and share a bit and just move on. We walked past a little stretch of park and there was a guy sitting on a bench there with his dog. The dog came over to us. You know what it's like with dogs. That always strikes up a conversation. So we just said hello and talked about his dog. And uh, we said, are you okay, mate? He was, I mean, he was, he was a drinker. Mm -hmm. So he had a can. It was two o'clock in the afternoon. So we said, are you all right? He said, oh, no, not really. So we said, can we come over and chat? And he said, yeah, it's fine. So we just sit down with this guy on the park bench um, he's a bit down and out you know he's a drinker um, he's he's feeling a bit rough but you know he's sober he's okay um, we said you know we were just out we were going to offer to pray for people today can we pray for you and he said yeah that, that would be cool that would be good he said I'm not I'm not really a believer anymore but you can pray so we said is there anything specific we can pray for so he says, yeah, and he starts crying. Um, and he says, my wife died three weeks ago. So he said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm back on the booze. He said, it's, I'm spiraling down, you know. And he said, it's really hard. And he starts, you know, he's got tears rolling down his face. I mean, he's a 50-year-old man. Um, so, you know, we, we just offer him you know, kindness and, you know, words of comfort, really, and then say, you know, can we pray for you now? And he's like, yeah. So we pray, and we just ask if we can lay hands on him and pray, and he's cool with that. We do that. And then uh, my, my friend that I was with was is a recovered alcoholic from 20 years ago, so he shares his story, says, you know, I, I was down and out like you. I was, I was, you know, on a bottle of Jack Daniels a day and struggling through my third marriage and da di da di da and tells his story. And one of the things I picked up in Leicester last week was try and wrap your story around the gospel. Mm -hmm. and my friend seems to do that instinctively. Mm -hmm. So he talks easily about Jesus and forgiveness of sin and Christ dying and being set free as he turned and believed. We, we just finished up. You know, we didn't feel to push it any further, um, but we felt the guy was open. So we just left it and said, you know, we, we need to move on. Um, can, can we see you again? Can we share some more? And he said, yeah, I'd, I'd like that. So we said, when do you want to meet? So he said, well, I, I don't know, any time. So he said, I'll be here tomorrow on, on the bench in the park. So we said, okay, we'll meet you tomorrow. So he says 12 o'clock. So we say, that, that's cool. So we arranged to meet 12 o'clock the next day. Uh, we walked to the station because I'm, I'm catching the train home. And this guy stops us, young guy, about 35, 
walks up to us, stops us in the street, looks at us. Nice guy, smiling. He says, um, he says, I'm a Christian. He said, I was in the shop when you prayed for that lady. And he said, I was blown away by what you were sharing with her. And then he said, I've just seen you in the park sharing with that guy. And he said, I had to stop because I had to hear what you were doing. Um, he said, he said, I've been a Christian for four years. For two years, I was really sort of on fire. But he said that sort of died down a bit in the last couple of years. And he said, I, he said, I actually got up this morning and I prayed, Lord, you know, I, I need to find a way of sharing my faith more strongly with people. So he said, I prayed that this morning before I left for work. And then he said, I meet you two guys. And he said, you know, I can hardly believe that I'm here. Now, he doesn't live in this town. He lives in another part of Essex, like 25 miles away. But he was working there. And he finds us. So we say, well, come on, let's go to the cafe. Let's have a coffee. So we, we sit and share coffee. And he tells his story. We tell ours. And then we just, we say, look, we can train you. So he says, great. He says, I'm ready. So we, we share with him the early offer of prayer. Mm-hmm. Are you near or far? Share your story. Wrap your story around the gospel. And then we teach him the three circles diagram to share the gospel. And then that leads into 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, if you want something to follow it up with. And we said... You know, you you can go and do that. Um, you can do that this afternoon, and you can teach it to other people. And he said, he said that is awesome. He said, I'm going to go and do that straight away. So, you know, we swap details, and he says, can I come and spend a day with you and learn some more? So he's going to come, and we've swapped details, and like he's he, it almost felt like we were out looking for people of peace, but also pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers. Mm-hmm. And we find a worker. 